The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. And they can really come up with a body blow here to end the half. First and five at the 27. Low snap to stand up. Touchdown catch of the day. This one from 27 yards. The swing and a miss by the punter for Wyoming turns into a home run for Iowa and Noah Fan. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who looks back at the Hawks' season opening 24-3 win over Wyoming, and he previews this week's Iowa-Iowa State game in the annual battle for the Cy-Hawk Trophy. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Iowa State's Matt Campbell. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes Includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of landof10.com and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Matt Millen. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes travel to Iowa State this Saturday in a game slated for an 11.01 a.m. kickoff on Jack Trice Field in Ames. This is a trophy game. The Cy Hawk Trophy is at stake. Iowa plays four trophy games this season, and it currently holds three of those trophies, including Cy Hawk. Iowa has much it can improve on and will need to do so before facing the Cyclones. Both teams did win their season openers last Saturday. The Hawkeyes, of course, topped Wyoming 24-3 at Kinnick Stadium while ISU defeated UNI 42-24 in Ames. Iowa is going for its third straight win over Iowa State after trouncing the Cyclones 42-3 last year in Iowa City, and the Hawks have won two straight on Jack Trice Field. Iowa leads the series overall 42-22. It's 18-8 in games played in Ames. The Hawkeyes hold a 26-14 advantage when the Cy-Hawk Trophy is at stake. But ISU is much improved under second-year head coach Matt Campbell, playing better from midseason on last year. It finished the 2016 season just 3-9, and nine, but four of those losses came to very good teams by an average of just 6.3 points. During the 19 years Kirk Ferentz has been Iowa's head coach, ISU has had four head coaches. Ferentz is 9-9 nine and nine versus ISU at the helm of the Hawkeyes. Ferentz is the dean of college football head coaches, 
His overall record is 148 and 113 over 22 years. His record at Iowa is 136 and 92. Those 136 wins in all games coached as a member of the Big Ten ties him for sixth in league history and second at Iowa. He is just seven wins from tying Hayden Fry as the winningest coach in Hawkeyes history. And his 82 wins in conference play also ranks sixth in Big Ten history. Campbell is in his second year heading the Cyclones. His overall record as a head coach is 39 and 24 over six years. His record at Iowa State, four and nine. Iowa has 57 native Iowans on its roster. That's 47% of the total roster. ISU's roster has 31% native Iowans. This is one of the few games this year Iowa will play on a grass field. The game will be telecast on ESPN2 with announcers Jason Benetti. He is the White Sox play-by-play guy on TV and Kelly Stouffer. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks as usual. And it will also be available on Satellite Radio, Sirius Channel 112, and XM Channel 200. And two last notes from the Wyoming game. Our Prefence Defensive Player of the Week for the Wyoming game, brought to you by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, is actually all three starting linebackers. The linebackers group for Iowa, Josie Jewell, Ben Neiman, and Bo Bauer, they combined for 38 tackles versus the Cowboys. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And our Coach of the Week, brought to you by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, is defensive coordinator Phil Parker for constructing and executing a terrific game plan that shut down Wyoming and its NFL-bound quarterback, not even allowing the Cowboys inside the red zone. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and building safe since 1962. Great story, compelling and rich. Floats it out for Easley. He's got it. Easley inside the five, diving, and Easley touchdown. The crossing route is a good way to be able to define leverage by the defender, and so they cleared that right quadrant, got Easley into it, and the throw was exactly where it had to be. Nick Easley, the transfer from Iowa Western Community College. He was going to go to Iowa State. He's a Hawkeye now, and Iowa thrilled that he is. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about Iowa-Iowa State Week. It's certainly a big week for us. It's a rivalry game, and uh, you know, I think it's certainly big for, for everybody involved with Iowa football and just football in general in Iowa. I think anybody that follows the game certainly uh, you know, takes, takes great interest in it. It's energizing, certainly, for our players, our coaches, uh, alums, you know, everybody that's involved, fans, and uh, I think not only in our state but probably across the country. So it's really a, a great series. Uh, Martin Pitts, uh, two teams from uh, you know premier conferences, which is unusual. Got the Big Ten and Big 12 represented, so I think that makes it a little bit unique. Certainly, uh, being early in the season makes it a little bit unique. And this is my 28th involvement now in this series, so you know, I feel very, very fortunate to be part of it. And uh, you know, I relish every opportunity to get a chance to coach, and it's just a really good thing. And now beyond that, I think it means an awful lot to our players as well. You know, we've got uh, 23 players right now in our two deep that grew up in this state, 57 total. On 
our roster from Iowa. So they grew up watching this series. I think they know fully what it means, just the, the uh, interest and what's at stake for everybody involved. And uh, it's a really significant thing on that, uh, that end as well. So just a lot of good things to be excited about this weekend. Certainly in the meantime, we've got a lot of work to do uh, in our preparation. You know, Iowa State was very, very impressive uh, in their opening night victory. Uh, the other night, they played a really good football game. Uh, looked really uh, uh, very, very impressive. And on top of that, we're traveling to a place that's very tough to play. You know, it's, uh, we've been there many times, obviously, every other year. And it's always a tough environment. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, those two things combined uh, offer us a real big challenge right now. Ferentz was asked his assessment of Iowa's defense after the Wyoming game. Well, you know, it's one game. So, uh, you know, we're not quite ready to make judgments yet, but certainly pleased with the way we played. And, and I think the probably the most positive thing was just our responses to the bumps that took place. And uh, you're hoping those things don't take place, but going into any first game, you're never sure. Any game for that matter, but first games especially, you're a little bit anxious about just how uh, you're going to perform with some new guys at critical spots. And we didn't protect the, wall, the ball very well. That was uh, very evident. But our defense never, uh, never broke stride. You know, they went out and responded in a real positive way. I think that was a big positive. It was probably as good a thing as I saw out there. Kirk assesses Josh Jackson's start at cornerback against the Cowboys. He's always worked hard, and uh, he's got a great attitude. I mean, he likes football. There's no question about that. That was really evident. Uh, uh, just wasn't a real detailed guy at the start. You know, just uh, some of the uh, things that are really critical. And if you're going to be a defensive back, it's important to know, you know, you get some certain responsibilities. But yeah, I think it's just a, uh, overall maturation, which you see with a lot of players. And uh, um, you know, it was an attitude was never a question with him. His work ethic was always good, but it's just kind of, you know, keeping things between the lines a little bit better. And uh, it just seems like last year, you know, he really started to blossom a little bit. I can go back to two seasons ago. You saw some things on film, things he was doing, playing well in special teams, you know, doing some things there that uh, really gave us encouragement. You're hoping he could channel it into being a good positional player, too. And we're starting to see that now. And uh, he got off to a great start the other night. But, you know, I played a little bit there at the end of the season last year, too, because of injury. And, you know, we're really optimistic he's He's got a really good future. Ferentz was asked about how his defensive secondary will match up against Iowa State's tall and productive receivers. It's an interesting matchup that way. Uh, you know, their experience is on the perimeter where our inexperience is, you know, prominent. So, uh, and then the other thing they've got, they've got great size. I mean, unusual size. Uh, you can start with those two guys you just mentioned. Uh, you know, it'd be, be a good start to a basketball team, intramural basketball team, if you're going to do that. So matching up size-wise is going to be a challenge, and they use their size well. And then their experience, and they, they've got a good group of good core of receivers, but it's more than two guys. So, you know, we're all going to have to do a good job, and that, that includes our linebackers again. You know, you got Ben Neiman out in coverage quite a bit. They'll get Bo out there in coverage uh, the way they do things. So they're, they're going to put some pressure on us. There's no question about that, and that, that's their design. Iowa fans from time to time have been somewhat critical of Ferentz for what they perceive to be a lack of emphasis that he places on the in-state rivalry. Kirk addressed that sentiment. I mean, you know, we do things the way we do. Uh, that's, that's just kind of, you know, fans have a lot of opinions about a lot of things, and which is great. I'm, I'm glad they're passionate and interested, but uh, we try to do things in a consistent way. And from my vantage point, every game is really important. Uh, the one we played last week is, and you know, we only get 12 of them, so boy, you better be uh, focused on all those. But, you know, to suggest that one doesn't you know mean a lot you know I go back to that Minnesota game as my first experience where a team came across to pick up a trophy and that was 1981 and uh, that, that's a snapshot memory you, you never forget 
So, you know, you get involved in that or our trip teams that year wasn't much fun either. So that, that's where you, when you experience something, that's where you really learn. And that's, you know, 55 years ago, right when that happened, 1981. But th those memories, yeah, they never leave you. So, you know, if you're part of something, I've been part of this thing for a long time. I'll go to my grave thinking about those games for sure. You always remember losses, right? And Ferentz talks about his son Brian's first game as offensive coordinator and the Hawkeyes play caller. I think a lot of good things, certainly. And, uh, you know, I mean, I can't remember a game where there weren't calls you'd like to have come back, you know, uh, and things you wouldn't do differently, that type of thing. So I'm sure he feels the same way. But no, I thought he did a good job, and uh, he too. I mean, it wasn't exactly a smooth road for him, you know. So I think, you know, he, he worked through those uh, bumps in the road. Uh, we never planned turnovers, and that, you know, uh, obviously affects your thinking. And then just with the course of the game, the flow of the game, certainly affected our play calling in the second half. Uh, you know, it looked like we were playing pretty well on defense, and, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're going to give them an opportunity to maybe get back in it real easily. Next, we hear from Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell, who was asked how his defense can slow down Iowa's potent running game. You know, I think really on both sides of the football, their strength is in their front seven. I think that's a big challenge for us. You know, it's just a matter for, for our defensive line, more importantly, to be able to hold their gap responsibility and to create vertical penetration throughout the game. Our linebackers, we've got to be able to do a great job of tackling. You know, I think the thing that I'm so impressed by them offensively is their running back. You know, he's such a dynamic football player. And just when you think there's nothing there, he's he's got the ability to make you miss in space and then make big plays happen. He certainly did that last week and I think that's been the foundation of his success so you know we're going to have to do a really really good job of creating vertical penetration at times and then at times doing a great job of being able to tackle in space I think that's the key to success those teams that have been able to play good defense against them they've been able to tackle really well. Conversely Campbell was asked about the success of his team's running game and running back David Montgomery versus UNI. There were some some you know, big play, you know, big yardage that came out of his extra effort. And the tight ends and the offensive line, they did a great job of covering people up and creating movement. But I thought David had the ability to get some of those extra yardage on just extra effort. And I think that's the one thing about David is similar to what I was saying about the young man, is he's got that ability to make those guys miss in space, but he's also got the ability with his extra effort to get those hidden yardage that you need to be successful. So he's done a really good job of that you know I think that was what we saw a little bit at the end of last year from him and certainly in the camp but uh, he he certainly lit a spark for us in this or late in the second quarter of that football game and you know his extra effort was big. Campbell talks about what he enjoys about the Cyhawk game week and the Iowa Iowa State rivalry. Well you know for me leading up to it I love practice so you know that's the biggest thing for me is you know to watch our football team get better um, you know the rivalry piece and you know the excitement I think being here a year, what I've appreciated is the fan bases, you know, and I think that's the one unique thing about playing here at Iowa State is you, you know, especially our first two years, we've had big rival games the first two games of the season. So I think it really forces you and your team to catch your attention early in fall camp and understand how valuable it is to play good football early in the season. Um, you know, it's not like we have a lot of time to kind of just figure it out. You know, you've got to be kind of hitting on close to all cylinders early in the season if you want to get off to a great start and have success. So, you know, I think it's unique that, our, you know, this big rival football game happens the second game of the season, but I kind of like it. You know, forces your team's attention and forces you to, to really get yourself, you know, adjusted to be able to play good football early in the year. But uh, certainly two great fan bases, great traditions, um, makes it really unique. 
I love the rivalry piece of college football. I think that's what makes our sport really unique and, and really special. You know, we certainly have done that. We put priority on this game just because of the fact of the matter. It's two great football traditions, and the traditions of what's happened here in the past has certainly been really unique to watch. We've got a lot of respect for them and their program, but that doesn't mean it's not a big game and a big rival football game as we get into it. So something we certainly talk about the majority of the year, put a lot of emphasis on it, especially as we get closer to the game and try to be our best as we get into this week. And Matt Campbell talks about the areas of focus this week as his team prepares to face the Hawkeyes. I, I think the biggest thing for me is is getting better from week one to week two, number one. You know, I, I thought our, our, our team in a lot of ways showed great growth last week and within the football game. Now can we understand those areas where we weren't as successful as we wanted to be or needed to be and can we get ourselves better? Number two, you know, you look into the into this football game, and I think any game, it's about winning the third down situation, staying on the field on offense, getting off on defense, and certainly the turnover game. So I, I don't know if that means this game is any different than any other, but I think those three those three core values are things that are really important for our formula of success each week. Allen on third down, slings it. really on the quarterback. He telegraphed that thing. Really good play. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at landof10.com. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Wyoming game and previews this Saturday's Iowa State game discussing Iowa's punch list for success in Ames. Scott, Iowa with a nice and solid season opening win, 24-3 over Wyoming last Saturday in Kinnick. The Hawkeyes scored the final 24 points of the game. They overcame four turnovers to win, and Ferentz teams have only done that now four out of 15 times when they had that many turnovers, three fumbles and an INT. And in fact, the Hawkeyes only lost two fumbles in the entire 2016 season. The defense, very impressive, especially when you're considering the fact that they play against an NFL-bound quarterback and Josh Allen. Linebackers as a group, terrific. Uh, A.J. Epinesa's debut was impressive, to say the least, and Josh Jackson shined. Yeah, overall, I mean, I guess you look at the defense and it was as impressive a performance as I can remember. I mean, they had some pretty good ones at the end of last regular season. You know, Illinois comes to mind, of course, Michigan and, and Nebraska. But, you know, to start off that, that strong is, is rare. You know, you just don't see a... Uh, 
team come out and you know for better or worse you know pitch a shutout other than a field goal and and then to, to not only that but to play you know soundly you know to stop the run on third and short repeatedly to uh, you know to tackle in space so many times those are the plays that you know tend to turn into big plays early in the season when players just aren't used to tackling and in Iowa's case they were you know the, and the cornerbacks were new and yet here they are you know they're out there every time you know Wyoming completed a pass they were right there and there were very few missed tackles so I think defensively it was as solid of a performance as I've seen you know especially this early in the season and and I think it really kind of gives them a lot of confidence going forward. Now, offensively, uh, everybody's focus was on Brian Ferentz, a new offensive coordinator. His first game was a play caller. The offense was a mixed bag. It started very slowly. They had the four turnovers, which we already mentioned. And when they ended the game, even though it was a win, the total offensive output was not very impressive. No, it wasn't. I mean, I guess you look at, uh, you know, just the total number of yards plays, I think, actually kind of dictates everything. You know, when you just look and they had 56 plays, only 263 three yards it just it, it really didn't feel like the offense did a whole lot and, and most of that had to do with the turnovers I mean when you have four turnovers that's four drives that you ended prematurely and uh, and Iowa had good flow on at least three of them so you know it was just to, to me I think it was a you know that it was a so-so performance offensively I mean Akron Wadley had some nice runs I thought you know the the play calling was good at times but I also thought that you know that it was there was some plays that probably they would want back and then you know but you also have two linemen out probably your best one in James Daniels and you have a brand new quarterback who it looked like he needed some time to get settled so I think all things that you know it's it's a win they'll take it I mean they had three touchdown passes with a brand new quarterback but I, I think they've got a lot of room to improve uh, going forward I said during the game and I still think that now after the fact especially after you heard some of Nate Stanley's comments at uh, on Tuesday during the media available ability. James Daniels not able to start at center, I think, was was certainly not a good thing for Stanley's comfort level in his opening game as a starter. And But he did seem to settle in, and uh, he was sacked a couple of times, but those were blown assignments. Uh, he did fumble twice, uh, but you also saw flashes of why he was picked as the starter. He's got a very strong arm. He had a couple of... Uh, all three touchdown passes were really very pretty. Noah Fant shined as a tight end, and wide receiver Nick easily ended up being the leading receiver in the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, Stanley missed his first four passes, and then I think the the pass that he threw to Nick Easley, who made an, a really good adjustment to catch the ball that was thrown behind him, I think settled down Stanley. I think it enabled him to, okay, the players are there for him, too. He doesn't have to do this by himself. Just play, you know, catch. And, uh, you know, he settled down. He went eight for 11. Um, you know, he was able to, you know, hit longer passes, you know, later on, you know, easily, you know, caught one for a score. And then, you know, really the biggest, the biggest sequence in the game, I thought was what happened at the punter dropping the ball, uh, kind of looked like, uh, you know, um, Sean Landetta and then Sean, you know, and then Sean Gale picking up for a touchdown for the bears in 85. But, and then right after that, they hit the big home run with him and, and Noah Fant. I thought that was really a key sequence in the game. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, Stanley looked a little nervous at times and, you know, a little apprehensive, but 
but I, I think you know it was again a first game for everybody with people out, uh, new quarterback. You know, it's it's not one of those that you complain about, especially when you have a defense like that. I think it gives them a little bit of confidence that look they can make that growth and not feel like they are hurting the team. You know, in the short term. You wrote an article for LandOfTen.com talking about Brian Ferentz's first performance as offensive coordinator and play caller, and you made the comment that he made some mistakes, but flash potential. But the focus of your article in large part was that he clearly showed he, at least in this game, and you would expect it going forward, that he moved away from the problem that you questioned Kirk Ferentz about multiple times last season, Iowa's tendencies in terms of their personnel groupings and down and distance. Brian Ferentz, his offense last Saturday, the predictability level was down. That was one of your exact quotes. Yeah, that, and that's what I noticed by going through that. I mean, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was 15 plays where they're in three wide receiver formation. Six of them, they ran the ball. Last year, the, the number of that, I think, was you know, 80%, 6% throwing. And if you if you do that, then people know what to play against you. And then, of course, if they were ever in shotgun, it was always a pass. And then likewise, you know, they hit that big home run with uh, Nick Easley when uh, they were in what's called 22 personnel, which is two tight ends, two running backs, one of them being a fullback, and then one wide receiver. That's almost exclusively for Iowa in the past, a running formation, a running grouping. So I think the fact that they're able to shift out of that and throw the ball a little bit out of a run-based grouping and then pass the ball out of a, you know, or run the ball out of a pass-based grouping shows that they have studied some of their tendencies and understand that, you know, it's it's easy to prepare for those teams that don't, just don't keep you on edge. So I think, uh, you know, that and then you throw in some of the wrinkles that they threw, which, you know, it was almost to me that it seemed like, you know, in each of the first three quarters, they had some sort of either jet sweep or end around. And I almost wonder if they want to get that on film so other teams see it and prepare for it, even though they may not use it in another, you know, two months or something like that. But but I just I felt like there's enough there that shows me that once he gets into a groove as a play caller and once the offense grows that, uh, you know, they're going to keep teams off balance and Iowa itself will be more balanced in, in both its formations and in its tendencies. Cy Huck Trophy now at the stake this Saturday as we turn to the Iowa at Iowa State annual game. Uh, it's uh, one of the few games Iowa will play on a grass field this year. Uh, Iowa does hold that trophy. It has a lot it can improve on based on last week's win. Iowa State's coming off a 42-24 season opening win at home over UNI. The Hawks are going for their third straight win in a series over Iowa State. While they thrashed the Cyclones last year in Iowa City, that was a pretty ugly 42-3 win. Ugly from Iowa State's point of view. Iowa State looks like it's shown a lot of improvement under second-year head coach Matt Campbell since midseason on last year. Yeah, I mean, you look at just kind of how they competed against teams last year, and it just shows you the, the growth that they've had. I mean, they were not a good team, and they were really a bad team when Iowa played them, but then you look at, you know, they lost by three to Baylor, uh, touchdown to Oklahoma State. They lost by five to, to Kansas State. They lost by 10 to Oklahoma. You know, I mean, t- teams that were, you know, it seemed to be better than they were, you know, they were right there competitive, you know, in the mid to late part of the season. So you, that that shows growth by, you know, a coaching staff and the team. And they seem to have a lot of confidence right now. I mean, you look at uh, position by position, you know, along the perimeter and in the skill positions, um, you know, they are, you know, if they were in the Big Ten, you'd look at those positions and say, okay, that that's kind of a scary unit. You know, they're still young and inexperienced and really not great when it comes to the line of scrimmage. But the way they played and, you know, and the way, you know, the offense 
offense is coming together and the passing game seems to be more consistent than it has been in a while. That shows me that that they're making quick strides under a new coach. And I think they're a team that people have to pay attention to in this region, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. And then also that they could be a contender for some, you know, in games and and possibly for bowls pretty soon. We're going to do something a little bit different this uh, year in our shows. We're going to use a construction analogy and we're going to talk about Iowa's punch list. What its punch list is to achieve success and come out with a win in each of the games this year. So the first punch list is Iowa's defense against Iowa State's offense. Iowa's defense certainly was its strength in game one. And while Iowa State has uh, strength in terms of the skill players that you just talked about, their offensive line is very much a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you want to look at what Iowa's defense has to do to win or put itself in a winning position is it needs to uh, do kind of what it did against Wyoming up front, which is stop the run at the point of attack, not allow runners to, to leak out very often, and then also get generate a pass rush on a pretty good quarterback uh, in Jacob Park. So as you mentioned, you know, there's one ultra-talented offensive lineman in Jake Campos, their left tackle, but the rest of them are very green. Three of them have, to- have four total start up front. And when you look at Iowa's defense, you look at the defensive line with Anthony Nelson, Matt Nelson, Nathan Budgeta, A.J. Epineza, Parker Hesse, you know, kind of Cedric Lattimore, the list goes on and on. I mean, Iowa has a lot of experience there, and uh, not only that, they've played well at times. So I think that's where Iowa has to win this game, which is not only stop the run early if it's there, but but also get pressure on Park, because one thing you do not want in this game if you're Iowa is, is Jacob Park having a lot of time to throw. He's pretty accurate. He's got a good arm, and Iowa State's strength is in its wide receivers. You know, Alan Lazard is one of the best in the country. He's probably the best Iowa's going to face. Uh, Hakeem Butler, you know, 6'6", so um, he holds that kind of advantage on most of the, you know, on all the defenders that he's going to go against. And then, you know, Trevor Ryan's really small, but man, is he fast. And and Chase Allen's a really good tight end. So I think, uh, you know, what you want to do ideally is get pressure on the quarterback, prevent him from getting a, you know, clean, easy release to those receivers, because if they get loose, if they have a little bit of time, it's going to be difficult, even for what turned in to be a pretty good secondary after the first game to to shut the door and and be able to to, uh, break up some passes and prevent some big plays. Park ended up throwing for 271 yards and two touchdowns in that game against UNI, but they also have a pretty good running back who Kirk Ferentz talked about this week at his press conference, David Montgomery. He's 5'11", 222 pounds. He also had two touchdowns against UNI. He ran for 82 yards. But as you said, their key there is the Iowa State wide receivers, and there's at least four of them that can pose some significant issues for Iowa. So let's look at Iowa's defensive secondary, which ended up playing pretty well against Wyoming, and especially I think you saw the emergence of a junior cornerback, Joss Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a, uh, you know, it was a really good performance for him. I mean, you know, he got an interception and really was one player away from returning it. Uh, had a really good breakup in the end zone, you know, made a lot of tackles on the perimeter. And that's always a challenge for a corner who's never played. But he hit with authority. He was physical. He's a big guy and has really good athletic ability. I mean, 6'2", you know, 200 and whatever pounds, roughly. I mean, I think he lists him at 190, but I think he's more like 200. So he's got a lot of ability there. And 
and and you know Manny Rugamba is going to play for the first time this year. He was suspended for the opener, and uh, you know he proved to be a, a top shelf cover man last year against Michigan when he you know had an interception, a pass breakup in the end zone, a pass breakup along the edge that you know that really propelled them against Michigan. So I mean I think Iowa's secondary is just a little bit inexperienced, but really it's pretty good. So you know that matchup is is not favorable to Iowa, but I don't think it's an absolute detriment either. So you know so kind of getting back to my original point is the defensive line has to stabilize you know has to you know strangle the the running attack i mean david montgomery as you mentioned is a very good running back and so is mike warren his backup you know he's run for a thousand yards in different seasons montgomery reminds me a lot of uh, james butler on iowa side and warren is certainly could you know start for a lot of teams in the big 10 so you know it's going to be hard to bottle them up completely you know and shut them down the way they did against wyoming but i think there's they're capable of doing stuff close to that so you know if if again they can slow down the the running attack and put pressure on the quarterback then the iowa's somewhat liability against the, the receivers will be neutralized uh quite a bit i don't know that Iowa's going to face another team that has two starting wideouts that are six five and six six how big of an issue is that for somebody like Rugamba or jackson who's six one if they don't play their position correctly it could be significant um you know, I mean, if they don't play their technique, if they allow, if Park is allowed to throw a fade route, you know, on the sideline or deep, I mean, it's going to be t- tough to beat, you know, somebody, especially if they high point the ball effectively. But, you know, I, I think th- there again, if Iowa's going to play zone, Iowa's going to, you know, attempt to, to really, you know, neutralize their height. I mean, they've got to make sure that the pass rush is there and, you know, and it's not going to be there every play, but it's going to be there a lot. And so if Iowa can do that enough, even though there's six five and six six and they're explosive and Lazard is as good as he's gonna is and he's gonna be really good no matter what um you know you just I, I don't think that it's it's a killer for them you know they just have to make sure they don't get beat on fade routes or where it's a jump ball situation because that's where you know that height disadvantage could get them after this break scott talks the punch list for iowa's offense and special teams plus the big 10 zaleski to punt vandenberg is back pressure He bobbled it out of his hand, and then he tried to kick it anyway, and that's just not good. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. All 
right, let's go to the punch list for Iowa's offense to finish the job and have success against Iowa State's defense. I think you start with uh, the running a game, and and you know, and the running game was I was a little disappointed in it the other day. I mean, you know, and really, you know, I mean, Akron Wadley had 116 yards, and he did, a, you know, two of his main runs were kind of on his own. Iowa did well in its traditional zone runs, uh, you know, inside outside zone on the right and left side. Some of the others, the powers didn't quite work as well, and they did have a couple of guys out, and not, but you know, that's not really an excuse because they got a veteran unit. So I think uh, you know they really got to control the game, and 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 it, it, it kind of works in tandem with the, when you talk, start talking about the uh, defense. If Iowa can keep Iowa State's offense off the off the uh, field while Iowa you know keeps control of the ball, you know is physical at the point of attack, can get first downs, and then I, I think Iowa's got a chance to kind of dominate the game. You know with Akram Wadley and James Butler who are you know two terrific NFL caliber running backs that Iowa's ha- Iowa has probably the best two they've had in a long time, frankly. So I, I think that's the key. The other, but you know, that's what Iowa needs to do. I mean, if Iowa doesn't do that, I don't know that they win. Uh, but secondly, I, I, you know, you, this is Nathan Stanley's first chore into, you know, heavy enemy territory and it doesn't really get worse than the Jack Trice stadium for Iowa. So, I mean, he's got to be composed and, you know, he kind of had his mulligans last week and that's fine against Wyoming, but, uh, you know, going into this game, uh, you're not going to, you know, you, you fumble the ball a couple of times and throw an interception, you're going to be in trouble and he might be able to get away with one, but not more than that. And, and, you know, he can't really afford a slow start either if he's passing. So I think, uh, you know, him keeping his composure and completing passes when they're there and, and making good decisions and and you know holding on to the ball instead of fumbling it is you know something small but I think that's really important as well so uh, punting will not be a sin but uh, fumbling might be so I, I think with Nathan Stanley it's make sure to keep your composure and and you're going to need a wide receiver or two to make a play and they did last week it's just a matter of can they do that again going forward. I thought the game when it was over sort of reflecting on it and all three of Iowa's touchdowns came via the pass it was like the running game was more productive than it seemed like it was during the game because Wadley and Butler combined for uh, 163 yards on the ground but even more impressive and Butler didn't have a single negative run was that they averaged about just slightly under 4.8 yards per rush those two yeah I mean I think that's uh, you know they, they were productive in there you know the, the, the sacks and the, the lost yardage is something that really you know hurt the team to some extent you know Nate Stanley lost lost 23 yards. Noah Fan on an end, end around lost four. I mean, you know, so there were there were a couple of plays there where it was just, uh, you know, it kind of took uh, it took a lot out of that offense. So I think the, those two were productive. I think they could have been more productive, you know, if, obviously if the turnovers weren't there. But, you know, getting into a groove, the, the you know, the traditional inside-outside zone was going well. It's just some of the times they were junking around a little bit that didn't quite mesh. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, they are a key, you know, because I think either one of them could step right in and be the featured back and be fine. So, you know, they had 34 carries, you know, 100 and, uh, you know, 63 yards. I think they're in, you know, they performed, no doubt about it. And we talked about the mismatch for Iowa's defensive secondary against Iowa State's wide receivers, but Noah Fant showed that he can be a pretty significant mismatch against a defensive secondary, too, in that Wyoming game. I think uh, one of the, the biggest and most important plays for Iowa this year is the, his touchdown pass on that, that uh, seam route he ran right before the end of the second quarter. I mean, that's a route that Iowa rarely ran under uh, Greg Davis. I mean, he, 
they didn't attack the middle of the field with their with the tight end, and even though they were a mismatch most of the time, and I think that's that's something that they did a lot of when Ken O'Keefe was there, and you know because Iowa's tight ends are you know traditionally pretty good, and you know they've had some good ones even recently, and they never really did that, but I think I saw that and I thought okay that looks like Tony Moyaki out there you know making those types of plays, so you know he is a mismatch, you know you put him in the slot you know and a safety lines up over the top of him he's too big to cover and then if you put a linebacker he's too fast so i mean he's got that mismatch capabilities and and iowa can hide him in some ways because you know traditionally whether they go into a you know a three wide receiver set he could be one of the wide receivers and not they won't know that you know they'll think it's just three wide receivers out there so i i think he is a you know a weapon for iowa now and in the future he is all big 10 caliber type tight end now matt vanderberg is coming off his injury obviously he did play against Wyoming. He's had great success against Iowa State the last two games, 233 yards receiving and two touchdowns. But against Wyoming, the only passes completed were to Fant, Easley, and Vandyberg. And Kirk said the game situation dictated that. I think a lot of us expected to see more wide receivers and maybe even a couple of additional tight ends. What do you anticipate here in Ames on Saturday in that respect? <laughs> I think, again, it's you look at the number of plays and, you know, they went three and out like every single series in the first quarter and then in the fourth they just decided to run out the clock so that really left them with two uh, two quarters of real game action and they didn't really do you know and that's when they didn't really do a whole lot there you know I, I think they have a lot of wide receivers I think they want to get them in but it's it's going to be how do they get them in you know they don't really have a two minute offense yet you know how do you get Brandon Smith in and you know I was glad to see them get Matt Vandenberg involved in the mid- middle of the third quarter it was kind of like okay you got this guy why don't you use him and you know and then you had Nick Easley catch four passes for 77 yards so he was an important member but I just don't think they had a chance to just showcase what they could do in so many areas and then by the fourth quarter I don't think they wanted to I think they wanted to keep it it's like okay we've shown enough let's just win this game get out of here and then we'll work on next week and perfect our plays that we've already run so I think we'll see a lot more wide receivers here coming up but uh, I don't think it's uh, you know anything that they're going to, uh, you know, force into the into the lineup uh, long term. If Iowa State tries to sell out to stop the run, which you would anticipate they might try to do and force Stanley to beat them through the air, that could be an issue because just as you talked about their offensive line having some problems, being inexperienced, their defensive line is also a work in progress. And man, the yards that you and I got on the, on the ground and totally against Iowa State last week, 378 yards of total offense and Iowa State surrendered 5.4 yards per carry against the Panthers. Yeah, that's been a traditional problem for Iowa State. I mean, you know, you look, at, you know, I, you look closer at what they did against the Panthers, and, and yardage-wise, it was very close. They allowed 5.4 yards per carry, as you said, and if, you know, they had a couple pick sixes. Now, you know, they earned those pick sixes, but you take those away, and it's a different game altogether. And and so I, I think there's a little bit of looking at this, you know, saying wow that was a, that was a big point output you know they did a lot of great things and and they were good but this isn't the best UNI team I've seen and and frankly I think Iowa State is uh, you know li- you know some of the fans maybe some of the banter is a little bit too high on this team I don't think that they're you know especially on defense I mean giving up that kind of yards per carry you know that's still problematic because last year they were really bad at it they were one of the worst in the country so I think when you do that and uh, you know and, and you continue to have that issue against a team that's not going to be competing at 
this level. I mean, last year Iowa State gave up almost 220 yards a game. You know, five point. You know, five yards a carry. You know, uh, against the run. So you, you you're doing that again, and now you're pl- playing. You know, the most physical opponent you're going to play. I'm sure that is their major concern this week. Any uh, special teams punch list items for Iowa? Last week we saw the debut of Miguel Rusinos as the place kicker. He solid job, and uh, Colton Brastetter is the punter. Thoughts there? I I thought Rusinos did a really nice job. I mean, you know, he said he was a little bit nervous about that first extra point, and, uh, but he got it and, you know, also got a field goal along with the other extra points and did a nice job kicking off. You know, it's going to, again, you know, in his situation, a lot like Stanley, you know, because they're skill position players is, you know, you'd, you'd fear, you know, going down to the very end on the road at a, in a hostile environment and needing a field goal to win or tie or, or whatever. But I think he did an okay job. I was a little less impressed with punter. I don't think there was a lot of leg there on, on some of the punts. I mean, I think the statistics, uh, you know, were better for him simply because the ball rolled. They didn't get a lot of hang time. I would not be a bit surprised to see, if not this week, maybe next week, see somebody like, you know, Ryan Gersandi, the true freshman punter, get an opportunity to, to do something. Because I think that was a, that, that's an area that you could live with against a team you can beat. And you may not want to make that move this week just simply because the environment. But I think, you know, maybe in another week, if there's another week of punting like that, I think you might want to make a move. Before we get your prediction, quick Big Ten thoughts. Uh, solid opening week, although Iowa wasn't the only team to start a little more slowly on offense than they would have preferred. But this week, there's some big games on tap. Oklahoma at Ohio State, probably the biggest. Nebraska playing out at Oregon. Pittsburgh at Penn State. Yeah, this week's full of uh, some pretty interesting games. Um, you know, you've also got some, you know, a lot of other major games. You know, Iowa, Iowa State, you know, two Power 5 games. Minnesota playing at Oregon State. You know, that's kind of a, you know, a big one there. And then, you know, Indiana, Virginia. So, and Northwestern at Duke. So you've got a lot of Power 5, uh, you know, type games. And I think that's, uh, you know, something, you know, pretty strong that, you know, I that everybody needs to look at in the Big Ten. You know, last week, you know, by and large, I thought it was a terrific week for the Big Ten. You know, uh, Indiana hung with Ohio State for a while before giving way. And I think you saw, you know, Rutgers play hard against Washington to just get crushed like everybody thought. And, and Purdue just about pulled out a game against Louisville. And then you look every, across the board that, you know, the rest of the Big Ten posted some big wins. I mean, Maryland winning, you know, against ten, Texas, that was huge. And Michigan blowing out Florida, that, that needed to happen. And really, to me, the least impressive team was probably Nebraska, uh, barely being able to, to pull out a win against Arkansas State. Okay, back to Iowa at Iowa State. We've talked about the punch list for Iowa to be successful. Can they? What's your prediction? Yeah, this is one of those games where all the scenarios float in your head. What can happen? What I've seen before? I'm not going to be tricked again and think this, but but you know, so you're always reluctant to make it one way or the other. But but I mean, really, games are won and lost up front. They're won and lost on defense. You know, Iowa is not punchless on offense this year. I mean, Iowa has some weapons in the passing game and certainly in the running game. And then you look at the you know where does it matter? You know, when it's third and one, who can get the yard, who can stop them? And Iowa's better there. Iowa State has some some good game breakers, but I think Iowa can get pressure on on Jacob Park. I think Iowa can, you know, neutralize to some extent the wide receivers. They're going to make some plays. And I think Iowa's just going to chew them up on the ground. You know, the the neutralizer will be, of course, turnovers if they happen or penalties in crucial situations. But I like Iowa to win this game. I think their time 
type of football translates and takes out an audience like this. If it was a passing game, and you might struggle a little bit more. But I think Iowa wins. I think Iowa wins 31-17. And I think, uh, you know, Iowa sets itself up nicely to, you know, kind of propel it, you know, into a, you know, a pretty good month of football coming up here when Big Ten play starts in a couple of weeks. <laughs> my kind of team, Charlie, is my kind of team. Hawkeye fans applauding the effort today. An offense that will grow and a defense, Matt, that looks like it's ready to carry the load until that offense grows. Yeah, they have work to do, though. Make no mistake about it. Nate Stanley will take a knee, capping a successful first start for the sophomore quarterback. Stanley and the Hawkeyes are going to get the win today over the Wyoming Cowboys. 24-3. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 11 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.